Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. It's week two of Wet Hot Alien Summer, a summer-long event where we <laughs> are focusing on UFO and alien stories. Yeah. And that's what we are doing. Why? I can't even... Dude, this fucking quarantine, I'm, I don't talk to anyone but dogs now. So now <laughs> I literally don't even know. I'm losing my ability... <laughs> to speak jesus uh joining us this week for the celebration is actor and comedian uh com- comedian see uh, i again I, I get ready guys buckle up this is going to be a tough episode uh you know i'm from comedy bang bang younger and the podcasts high and mighty raised by tv and action boys he's got three of them uh boys and <laughs> girls more coming. <laughs> yeah, please give a warm club scout summer camp salute to Mr. John Gabris. Yay! Dude, John, thank you so much for joining the show. Are you kidding me? Thanks for having me. John and I met at a wedding a year ago. And, uh, you know, when people say, get this person on the show, get that person on the show, sometimes it takes a wedding, introduction, and then a year before (laughs) (laughs) two people, two actors in Hollywood can can coordinate (laughs) to getting on a podcast. Did we also do a gravid water together? Yes. Or a AFCAT or something like that? Because I feel like yeah. we started the conversation there. We were like, definitely. Then 18 months later, we're at a wedding together. We we're like, that's definitely. Right. And that's that's right. Right. I'm currently recording the episode. Yes, that's right. I was thinking, I don't think I met him at the wedding. I think we had worked together. So that's yeah. it. It's been two years. It's been two yeah, years yeah. now. Uh, and I'm. I'm 100% ready to uh, let you and Bryce down big time. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we booked him, and the guy has no alien stories. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're the one. Well, you're a big big action movie guy, I take it from the name of uh, your podcast, Action Boys. That's correct. I'm a a child of the 80s and 90s. Uh, The only way I could connect to my father, who was like a blue-collar tough guy as a little young uh, uh, movie and theater buff was through action movies. So 
What I, was the what was your first rated R action film that you saw? Ooh, I saw T two in the theaters, and I would have been like ten or eleven when it wow. came out. But uh, nice. there was a lot of that because my my dad worked like weird hours. He worked three to eleven, so in the summers we went to the beach. But if it rained, uh, he would take us to the movies, and he would only see movies he would maybe want to go see. And I'm the oldest of three boys, so we would be like twelve, ten, and eight. And we'd be seeing like best of the best in the theater or some shit like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Over the top. Yeah. The amount of like, I'm so glad it didn't truly inform my points of view on like uh, foreign policy, women and uh, <laughs> violence. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy how much action movies uh, and like the culture and diet of them is being reflected in society now. And it's like, I'm glad I was smart enough to be like, guys, this isn't the real world, but I'm worried that like a lot of people don't know that. Oh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think need, that's the world need, we live in. You need some dances with wolves in there and some Philadelphia and some, and some things to sort of <laughs> even them out. <laughs> dances with wolves. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait for your kids to be like, dad, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need some dances with wolves in your life. A three hour movie about a white native American. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. This is like the most cultural appropriated film of all time. And hey, you're holding that up as an example. It's a classic. How dare you? You know, I just got my, I just got my daughter to watch alien last night and holy shit. It was, it's still holds up so well. My son wasn't having it. He, he zoomed out of the room as soon as like uh some of that those crazy sounds started pouring in but man it's that, a classic fucking it's like a slasher movie made it's so with aliens. Good. and it yeah. still holds up like every scene every shot every set piece you're just like god damn like it's so good aliens is my favorite of the the sequel Mine is too. my favorite oh my yeah. god but, totally but the first one holds up in a very weird small like you realize like once you understand how movies are made and you're like, this is really small and scary for a movie that takes place in like outer space and these cool ass aliens, but you see them so infrequently in the beginning that it just, it's one, it's like a fucking zombie movie. It's so perfect. So well, good. there's like such great, like subtle world building in the first alien as well, because you've got like the whole Whalen corporation talked about, but it's off screen. You've got the, the, the robots, you know, like Ian home, like there's all this like great stuff that they build in that entire movie that alludes to a larger universe that you really don't see until the later films, which I always loved. I mean, this is, this is kind of why I was talking about this because uh, action movies and eighties movies were sort of an introduction for a lot of us into the world of aliens and UFOs, quite literally, you know, sure. that, that was my first rated R film that my dad ever showed me. It was alien and aliens. We did like a double feature one Saturday afternoon at home. Oh. And so I had, I had your daughter's experience and I just remember being blown away. And he was really scared because I was terrified. I was more scared of like the realistic, more human faced aliens like E.T. and Close Encounters. That shit scared me. Whereas the the, the xenomorphs I just thought were really cool. Yeah, I had a theory, too, because like we were going back and forth between gremlins and gremlins haunted me. But I was like, you know, maybe the thing is, is that gremlins takes place here on Earth and it could be, you know, you could make it very sort of like plausible, whereas aliens, it's like in the future, out of space, you don't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I kind of like that. I was never scared of those movies growing up. I was always scared of these shows Rescue 911 and Unsolved Mysteries because they were, quote, unquote, yes. real. Now, yep. in hindsight, we talked you a lot about unsolved mysteries last <laughs> yeah. week. 
that show fucked me up. Like the Robert Stack's like opening monologue would put would be like, I need to shut my door, put my pillow over my head because I can hear my dad <laughs> watching it in the other room. It's so upsetting. Yeah, that's a classic. Well, we're going to get into John's personal paranormal history. But before we do that, we have some... You were late. You were late, bro. We nailed it that time. Did you? Yeah. In my in my headphones, we fucking crushed it, dude. Are you kidding me? That's all that matters. That's all that fucking matters, bro. Is when I hear it. Uh, Okay, so we have a couple news items this week. John, feel free to jump in to comment on any of this. Um, This is a story that uh, a bunch of listeners and friends of ours sent me. Uh, There may be more than 36 intelligent alien civilizations in the Milky Way, scientists say. This is from CBS News. Humans have long suspected that we are not alone in the universe, and now scientists have said there may be dozens of alien civilizations lurking not too far from Earth. Some of them may even be advanced enough to communicate with us. According to a new study in the Astrophysical Journal, scientists at the University of Nottingham estimate that there is a minimum of a minimum of 36 communicating intelligent alien civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. They wow. say the estimate is actually conservative. It's based on the assumption that intelligent life forms on other planets in a similar way to how it does on Earth, using what they call the astrobiological Copernican limit. The researchers assume that if Earth is not special, if an Earth-like planet forms in an Earth-like orbit around a Sun-like star, hosting a civilization that develops technology in a similar way to humans, there would be approximately 36 Earth-like civilizations in our galaxy. In this case, other technological civilizations would be sending out signals such as radio transmissions from satellites and televisions on a similar timeline as humans, also attempting to find other life forms. Mm. To quote Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, you know, um, um, life will uh, it will find a way. <laughs> that was your Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> pretty good. I'll take a six out of ten. That was life more like will find a way. <laughs> <laughs> that was Art Bell. <laughs> yeah. I mean George Norrie, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So uh, yeah, so it's kind of cool that in uh, Wet Hot Alien Summer, of course, we're getting this news that uh, there might be life right here in the milky way galaxy Mm. what do you guys think that's so exciting it's so funny i feel like every three months maybe it's less frequent than that but like every few months there's like an announcement that's like yep well as we suspected this new input about aliens and it's just like quarterly we find information like and it feels like the same news story often it's like could be up to 30 species there uh the moon has gas or whatever you're like wait (laughs) what and like they just keep telling you and i'm like what is this slow trickle of information? Wait up and wait up and hold up an alien head for us, like at a fucking <laughs> press conference, or like you know, like uh, tell us every tell us more. I know there's more. The moon has a gas station. That would be good. That would be a good headline. <laughs> it's three. It's three seventy five a gallon though. So be careful. <laughs> yeah, right. Pricey. It does feel like sort of a new Copernican age where we're like finally starting to come to grips with the fact that we are not the center of, let alone the Milky Way galaxy, but the universe, you know, that that for every star that we see, the billions and billions of stars, there's more than likely probably planets rotating around those stars. And there's got to be at least one in the habitable zone. And so, 
yeah, it's just like the numbers are going to skyrocket from 36 to, you know, to the hundreds, to the thousands, to the, in the millions. I, 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 I think in the next few 10, 20, 30 years. But it's weird how the parallel between what's happening on Earth or in America and what's happening in the galaxy is like, hey, it turns out. Uh, white straight men aren't the center of American society. And it's like, well, guess what? Humans aren't even the center of fucking society, people. And it's like, yeah, we got to start thinking way out. I'm not trying to compare race or religion or uh, uh, sexual orientation to aliens, but I'm just like, zoom out. Well, we're, we're all fucking ants. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really good point, John. And this might be in a little bit more of a like woo-woo side of everything, but like, it does kind of make sense that as we are raising our global consciousness and our social consciousness here on the planet, we're also kind of elevating our galactic consciousness as well. And like, we're not going to be ready for interaction with alien life outside this planet unless we have our shit together here on Earth, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, my, my question is, is aliens going to be the thing that brings us all together? Because then like, People of all colors, uh, financial backgrounds, classes, re- religions, we can all hate aliens together. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was the old Ronald Reagan speech at the UN, you know. I often think that if an alien threat, how fast we would come together, you know. That Wait, was your gold bloom again? That, that was, was gold bloom. That, was that, gold bloom that sounded UN. like gold bloom that time. Yeah. <laughs> That that's that was good. Um, so this is this also brings up this the, uh, the article sort of makes a point about all of this. Previous calculations of alien life have been based on the Drake equation, which yeah. includes seven factors needed to find the number of intelligent civilizations, written by astronomer and astrophysicist Frank Drake in 1961. The estimates have been extremely broad, ranging from zero to a few billion civilizations. Um, so basically it goes on to say that if we find intelligent life, uh, it is common, then we, it, this would reveal that our civilization could exist for much longer than a few hundred years. Alternatively, if we find that there are no active civilizations in our galaxy, it is a bad sign for our own long-term existence. Uh, the scientist Concealus says, by searching for extraterrestrial life, even if we find nothing, we are discovering our own future and fate. And this is kind of the thing that I've always thought of, of like, if an alien species has evolved long enough to make interstellar travel. They've obviously overcome the destruction of their own existence, right? To me, unless there's some sort of evil horde, which, you know, like the xenomorphs, it, it says to me that they've been able to overcome the struggles that we have right now on our planet, which is survival, and are, you know, are sort of gone beyond war and now are expanding. That's my hope, you know what mm. I mean? But you do hear you do hear sort of tales and cases that point otherwise, like, you know, with these greys abducting people and, and, you know, poking and prodding their reproductive organs. It's it, it, it's almost you hear this narrative that like, you know, somehow this these alien civilizations or at least some like the greys have like lost the ability to procreate or to have the, uh, the ability to emote and have um, emotions. And that's why they're sort of fascinated with uh, with the human beings, you know. Unless they're robots, maybe they're, they're just robots. They're, yeah, they're drones. Exactly. I don't know. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? But speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of aliens visiting this planet, I, I don't know how we missed this story. 
This comes from last May, and fortunately we have a recent update, so I can kind of I'm going to try to nutshell all of this for you guys because we got to get on with the show. But uh, Bryce, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there's been some big UFO activity in Brazil over the past month, especially in mid-May. Yeah, there was this huge thing where John uh, people were watching. Uh, what they claimed were like blue orbs flying around the sky, red and red and yellow lights. A lot of people filmed this, put it up on Twitter and Reddit, and then Reddit monitors and Twitter uh, moderators started taking down these videos. And this huge conspiracy came out, uh, grew in its place that there was a UFO that crashed in Brazil and that the government was covering, the Brazilian government was covering it up. Mm. Oh, so this is from Vice. This is from uh, May 15th, so over a month ago now. But UFO over Maje, Brazil, sparks social media panic and conspiracies. Brazilians in the, in the municipality of Maje, just north of Rio de Janeiro, reported seeing mysterious illuminated objects in the sky on Wednesday. Several videos of the objects exploded on Reddit and Twitter, sparking incredible speculation about a crashed UFO that has been picked up widely in the Brazilian press. So uh, there are all these videos, and some of them are really cool. Some of them actually look like firsthand, like just orbs flying around the city sky, city skies. And then there are these other ones that are like, they have like giant Mothership. blue beams, you know, blowing in, you know, like illuminating the entire night sky. There's like lasers shooting out of some of them. Um, and then speculation awesome. <laughs> i know and then speculation went on even further because people started googling this this town in brazil and in this google image search there is literally a flash of light over the town that is in the shape of a flying saucer <laughs> and people started going this is where the saucer crashed and someone from google had to get contact them you know had to make a quote saying in this case, what people are seeing in the imagery is a reflection that is temporarily overloading the satellite sensor. Essentially, mm. the sun reflected off the surface of that building at just the right angle to briefly blind the satellite. This is a pretty common phenomenon known as saturation or blooming. But that didn't stop uh, Twitter and Reddit from blowing up over the past month that there is a uh, UFO conspiracy, a UFO crash, and a cover-up taking place in Brazil. Now... MUFON, as of four days ago, according to the UK Express, that, you know, that paper that is obviously a very reliable source of news. Very credible. Very um, credible. <laughs> they said that the, the MUFON has looked into this and they've they've basically said, we've, we've investigated all of this. We've looked into all the sources and this is 100% a hoax. So uh, MUFON has decided this is all bullshit. But some of the early reports and some of the early videos really do just look like cool shots of orbs flying over Brazil. So maybe it started off as one thing and then it got fictionalized as as the uh, momentum grew. Uh, this is this is my constant struggle in my desire to believe versus my desire, like versus my understanding of the power and the lengths a government will go through to just make a dollar. So like, like any story like this, I'm like, Oh fuck, please let it be. But I'm also like, it's easily the American air force, like testing out new ships too, that they're going to like just the military industrial complex is so, you know, it's so in the back of my mind. And especially now with mm -hmm. just like the absolute distrust of the government, you know, mm -hmm. my fucking Fox Mulder trust no one, but like, I just, 
I want this to be real so bad, but in my head, if you if it comes out that it was like the government's fucking around with new toys, they got busted, they didn't want they needed to hide it, would be equally believable, and that's the bummer. And I and they that is a victory for them, keeping the mystery going too. Totally, it's so difficult. Yeah. Well, then it, and then it's it mutates in all these other branches of conspiracy theories. Well, then people will go, yeah, but where do they get that technology? Where do they get right. it? They know UFOs exist because they have them, and they're re, they're 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 building their own. You know, and right. new tech is fucking cool too. If these are if if they're if they're like creating ufos for the government fucking that's rad <laughs> you know what i mean um, but we won't know about it for another 20 or 30 years if if at all i mean the stealth bomber you know supposedly all the, the all the area 51 shit was really just about the stealth bomber you know coming out in the late 80s uh because right. it was a top secret you know radar uh snubbing uh aircraft that uh you know a lot of people thought was secretly a crashed ufo being studied you know, I think I think a lot of people don't know too, but South America is a real hot spot for UFO activity, especially countries like Brazil. I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds of caseloads of, of strange UFOs and contact experiences, uh, probably uh, equal to or more so than the United States. Yeah, they they bring up that point in this article, and this is a really uh, in depth. There's lots of crazy branches to this, so I'll put up the links um, in the show notes. You guys can go take a look and judge for yourselves what you what you guys think is going on in Brazil. Okay, John, uh, we ask all of our guests. You've already hinted that not much is there, but what is your personal paranormal history? Were you excited about this stuff as a kid were you scared of ghosts did you believe in any monsters were there any urban legends where you grew up oh yeah so here here's a i'm a lifelong i believe in all of it and i'm craving <laughs> i'm craving fucking proof like that's all i for myself i want a per i want an interaction i want a first uh you know a first kind encounter hmm. not wait is that the one where i get fucked maybe i want <laughs> <laughs> well you know what to be fair i'll uh, if i have to fuck uh, an alien i think that's like a pretty solid story i I'll, mean there's <laughs> your proof yeah live a little you know i'll definitely win a fucking moth story slam if i get <laughs> Pegged by a hybrid or some shit like that. <laughs> but for me, I've always, I've always believed, even as a kid, I just thought it was crazy that like, we know other planets exist and we've never been there. So how can we just be so sure of what's going on there? And then like, as you get older, like I'm, I, I was born in the early eighties. So like alien information i feel like and maybe this is just me centering myself in the narrative but i feel like information about aliens and ufos and the paranormal have sort of just increased as my like when i was like 10 it was like it's silly when i was like 16 it's like it's real and now that i'm 38 it's like the government is using your tax dollars to you know and i'm like just slowly <laughs> gonna be the guy screaming on a street corner in no time yeah absolutely i mean it's a big it, it's been a big few years especially for the ufo topic i mean uh ever since that you know new york times article kind of broke loose the fact that the government is interested in the ufo phenomenon and they are spending tax dollars uh to sort of study this um i think people are and and you know the government not too long ago just did recognize those videos as being uh truthful and that they do recognize unidentified flying objects so now people sort of feel vindicated they, they sort of feel like okay these things are real 
Um, now, now they're moving on to questions of like, well, what are they and, and who are they Yeah, and how long have we known about them? You know, the, the, the bummer of logic. And this is like the other thing that my, like my belief system is constantly fighting against, as I previously said in the Brazil story, it's like, it could easily be like, oh, it's China's newest weapon. It's blank's newest weapon. It's like, and they, it's America's newest weapon. And saying that they're aliens is safer than saying like, we have dope tech to like, bomb our enemies well totally. yeah but yeah but the, that dope tech would have to defy our current laws of physics i mean some of these crafts the way that they move and uh the way that they change angles on a dime i mean you know it, it really just breaks the laws of our you know current understanding of physics so i mean if that is government tech then well then they're hiding a whole um laboratory of new science in their pocket as well yeah either way it's a fu- we're on the precipice of something wildly interesting like that's whether it's like advancements in uh earth technology to a degree that they can't even inform us of yet but like it would be sort of a parallel to the uh stealth bomber thing where it's like wow it's not even coming up on radar they, they would have to be alien tech to be that you know like but at the same time it's insane for us to not believe that there are other things out there that are as advanced if not more advanced than us or less advanced and in like 50 years some fucking mars a reverse mars rover is gonna land in like fucking utah and start driving around we're like (laughs) what is this and they're like i I think it's some fucking some other uh planet that just got to their 1960s Like, like yeah like that's what i keep envisioning is just like uh, like eventually some alien like golfing on one of like the Hawaiian islands and being like, <laughs> look at their gravity. It's so much harder to hit the ball further. And it's like, holy shit. Like, because it's, it's crazy to believe we're the most advanced nation, but it's also crazy to believe that we're the least advanced uh, planet too. So there's chances like of, of so much out there. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm, I did get baked before this conversation. So I am on full on uh, this mode, this guy mode, but, uh, that we, there's so much Fantastic. shit on Earth we don't know. <laughs> there's so much shit on Earth we don't know about. The fucking under the sea is as much discovered yeah. as outer space, and like that's terrible. Like we know there's fucking weird shit down there. We know there's well weird now shit we're out yeah. there. now we're getting to the abyss territory where maybe these aliens and these crafts are coming from underwater civilizations. Yeah, yeah. maybe they landed already a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like we don't fucking know. I mean, maybe we are the aliens, John. Maybe we are the aliens. I I feel like there's plenty of species of animals and, uh, you know, uh, people that would argue uh, that you're correct. (laughs) We're we're invading America. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you were a kid, were you scared of like ghosts, horror movies? Like what, what was your feelings about the supernatural? I think I was le- I wasn't as afraid of the supernatural as I was curious about it. I was definitely more afraid of like crime because I'm like like as I said a kid of the 80s and 90s and that's what was just like spit down your throat. That's not an expression. That's what was shoved down your throat, spit down your throat. <laughs> I just revealed a little too much about my personal life, but <laughs> what yeah. what was your interaction with uh gruff McGruff <laughs> like hey, the crime dog. Crime dog. <laughs> hey, hey John, get over here and open your mouth. I'm gonna spit some crime down it. Teach you a lesson. <laughs> but uh I was more scared of that. I was very curious and 
we were around that time. I feel like a lot of the media around alien abductions, there was less like fantastical movies and more like this is based on true events or at least that positioning. Mm. The, the number one thing that's burned in my head media wise about this is the fire in the sky trailer. Oh, yeah. Shit, Travis yeah. Walton story. Sure. Yeah. Not even the movie, just the trailer. The moment when he, I can do the body language of when he looks up and the light beam hits him. Like I, <laughs> his silhouette is like, it's like a Shawshank Redemption esque silhouette and it's burned <laughs> in my fucking mind. I have chills full on. If we were on camera right now, I could show you. I have goosebumps on my arms and legs right now. Because that uh, shit was burned into my mind of like, that's exactly how it happens. And there was something so visceral and so real about that visual. And the fact yep. that the movie is touted, it is someone's story, allegedly, it's right? such a great case. Yeah. And, you know, we have yet to do it as a story of high strange, range, 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 I guess I'm gonna stop. We got this was I thought this was a bit. I thought this was a transition. I knew I should have listened to your podcast ahead of time. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. <laughs> and maybe we won't be here anymore. We'll see. We'll see. The government doesn't want this info out there. Oh, shit. Better take a hit. John, we'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Bryce, uh, are you okay? I think so, man. I don't know. There was a big bright light that came into the room, and <laughs> and then uh, I don't remember anything after that. But here I am. Oh my god! Uh, oh shit, dude. That was fun. I'm sorry. That was too weirdly timed, man. I think what's Zen what's Zencasters uh, like? Uh, are they sharing uh, our information with the CIA and shit? I'm <laughs> Almost now. definitely. Yeah. I'm very concerned that this is not as secure as we once thought. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Gabrus, I was going to say the thing that reminded me of, uh, of, first of all, by the way, it's been like 10 minutes and it took us a while to recover from that incident. It really did. It's not like I'm just brushing this off. It really blew our minds. That scared the shit out of all of us. Uh, Bryce was like, what happened? (laughs) You got pulled inside out. Some interdimensional being reached up through your ass and then pulled your face out through it. And we all witnessed it, witnessed the audio of it. Um, I mean, I feel good. (laughs) I'm pregnant? (laughs) With kittens? Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, I was going to say that that for me, uh, that Travis Walton image for me was the cover of Communion that I saw in the B. Dalton bookstore at Oak Park Mall. I remember as a kid seeing that cover of that book, which is just like a picture of an alien gray. And that I got the same thing where like chills shot through my body and I went, that's the truth. That I'm looking at the truth right here and it's terrifying. I just looked it up, the the book. Yes, that book is like 
designed to fry a kid's mind. Like you're right. Like seeing that fucking communion book in the bookstore. <laughs> that's like the Dr. Giggles VHS for me. Like just these images that I happen to catch when I'm like eight. And it's just, <laughs> now I can't unsee it in perpetuity. I think the thing that scared me about all this stuff and, and like, especially like Robert Stack in unsolved mysteries who could like, he could, he could, he would narrate a UFO landing just as, just as straightforward as he would narrate a kidnapping. You know what I mean? Right, so he, yes. made, he made everything sound just as equally plausible. And the thing that fucked me up about it was I felt like, okay, when I was little, I thought these things existed. And then grownups told me they didn't. And then once I got old enough to peek into the grownups world, the grownups world is full of people saying this stuff exists. It's, isn't it? crazy when you're like that moment i don't know what that moment is called you're like when you mature enough to go like hey i just noticed that sometimes adults are lying for their own benefit and then you're like wait a minute that unlocks a lot of shit i was told to implicitly trust police officers wait a minute i was told that i wait a minute i was told what's in the books is the is the history and then you're like wait and then that's what activates this conspiracy shit if we don't keep secrets from people as they grow up I think things are a little more easier to process. And we're not like, what else is a lie? Because once you believe that adults are lying to you, you're two steps away from who did kill JFK. You're two steps away from like asking questions about any event in history. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, you know, the trust in our government is at an all time low since the, uh, well, well, for for the last 200 years. I mean, it's something down like 30%. (laughs) Yeah, it's been trending downward for a while, for sure. It really has. You know, I think it just hits a point where, like, when you're a kid, your world is your the home you grew up in, your family, whatever that makeup may look like, school, that's it. You have to, you really have to color in the lines as a kid. And then once you're just, and then you're just kind of like set loose and you're like, wait, no one even fucking knows what reality is. This is all wild, you know? And really, like, your upbringing doesn't necessarily prepare your brain for any of that, you know? It's too, I don't know. We got, guys, it's almost like the system's broken. Um, so, <laughs> wait, Michael, you saying that Robert Stack, or uh, maybe it was Bryce, but saying that Robert Stack delivered that information in the same way. Yeah. And also, the 90s is where we were told that crime is like scary and like drugs will kill you and having sex will make you have a baby and get addicted to crack, like all that shit. So, that, that's, we're just getting that propaganda all day long in school and in extracurricular activities. So you're primed to believe that. So if Robert Stack delivers like an adult man kidnapped a child from a blah, blah, in a van, you're like, of course I know that's true. And then he's like an alien landed in uh, Washington. You're like, of course that's true. Like, yeah, you're, exactly. you're developed to believe one thing. So when an adult authority figure tells you something else, you're like, got it. And then you grow up and become a 41-year-old man who gets together with his friends and makes this podcast and still <laughs> has no answers and maybe more questions about the world and himself than ever before. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, Gabrus, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. Uh, I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon rapid fire style. And you're going to, if you're into it or open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you don't believe in it, you're going to say bullshit. This is a game that we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. 
Believe it, 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 believe it. I thought if that happened again, I would have just fucking. Believe, 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 believe. All right, here we go. Gabrus, on your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Demonic possession. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Bullshit. Time travel. Bullshit. Mothman. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Haunted houses. Bullshit. The Illuminati. Believe it. There's a face on Mars. Bullshit. Skunk ape. <laughs> Bullshit. Heaven. Bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Bullshit. Poltergeists. Bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Atlantis. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Ooh, bullshit. The apocalypse. Believe it. Life after death. Bullshit. Woo! Wow. You're more, well you're more yeah. bullshit than believe it. That was surprising. Yeah, I find I I find I have a hard time with uh, uh, cryptids and anything uh, religious. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Like, uh, so those are the two worlds. I even. I said believe it for ghosts, but I believe in aliens more than ghosts. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I believe in the. Uh, and I, I also believe that a lot of the paranormal stuff outside of alien stuff can be explained away in like thousands of ways. Like, there's just too many other justifications for stuff like that in my book and less so for alien. Like, it just feels to me that uh, there's it's more believable that the world, the universe is bigger than we think than that there is a otherworldly presence on here with us so when you think when you think of bigfoot what do you think of what's what do you picture in your mind i picture like a uh like harry and the henderson's kind of bigfoot like a big ape-esque you know ape man hybrid that lives in uh the deep forest and is Mm. there just one or are are there a species Ooh, that's a good question i believe that uh it either was a species like if I had to start trying to justify Bigfoot in my head, I would say maybe at one point there was a species and there was one that was left over or it's legend or there are some, uh, some sort of like bear-like animals that uh, we see we don't see till fre- too frequently. Right. That's interesting. Whenever someone says bullshit on Bigfoot, just because, you know, it's the namesake of our show and we're not really focusing right. on Bigfoot this week. I'm always curious because, like, we have our own ideas about it. And then I realize that for some people, Bigfoot's kind of like Santa Claus. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. this hairy man who lives in the woods, you know, whereas we are so far down the rabbit hole that we're like, it might be a species from another dimension that crosses over here to eat <laughs> plants. Yeah. You know, well, it's hard to discount the uh, the hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of eyewitness uh, testimony of, of people who have reported, especially hunters who have reported seeing this thing with their own two eyes, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It seems very uh, fantasy like. But, man, it's it, I have a hard time sort of looking at all the evidence and saying that, you know, there's nothing there. Um, See, my, I, my main issue is with eyewitness accounts. Like that's the thing that, uh, that's the thing that always breaks down for me because like, 
as we know from uh, the criminal justice system and from stuff like this, not only do people lie, but people make mistakes way more frequently than people lie, probably. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think a lot of that stuff can be explained away. Like it's 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 rarely corroborated. Uh-oh. Everyone has cameras on them now, like full time. You know what I mean? Like if there is a Bigfoot, there's a reason why we're not learning about it. And I feel like it could easily just be some fucking eight people saw this one dude who like lived in the woods fucking full nude and he was a bodybuilder or something like like, like, you just described bryce's future fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) if 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 i play my cards right i could end up being a fully nude furball living in the fucking pacific northwest and i would love it Um, so you've never, ever had anything that you've witnessed, seen, or experienced. You're like, that was fucking weird. And I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I've had like, I've had moments like that. In my, and trust me, I'm seeking out weird experiences. I'm doing hallucinogenics when I'm in the woods by myself. I'm constantly like, I'm doing things hmm. to be like, let me get connected. <laughs> let me figure some, let me open up the third eye. I'm trying, I'm seeking out knowledge. I'm, I'm very curious, but I just, uh, you're doing the work. Yeah. What, what's the closest you think you've gotten? There's like this haunted, uh, street on Long Island where I grew up called, uh, Mount Misery. Uh, and, uh, it's like a road that is goes through the woods and allegedly there's like uh there's is an abandoned church on this road and allegedly like Satanists have it at night and they if you drive by and the cross is upside down, uh you better get out of there, don't go at night. They've seen like figures hanging from trees and stuff like that. That's what the legend is. But one time when I did drive that street, we did have some sort of weird headlights behind us for a long period of time. But then when we the street, like the road, the dirt road eventually narrows so much that you have no choice but to do a three-point turn. And then the headlights behind us went off. And by the time we turned around, there was no car there, if there ever was a car. Like that was the That's most- creepy. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was truly creepy. And in the horror movie sense of it, we're banging out a three-point turn in my friend's um, in my friend's car, which was a 1975 Ford LTD, which was about the Ooh. length of a fucking- station wagon but was just a car the hood was like the longest hood i've ever seen on a car so we're doing like a 21 point turn in the woods (laughs) with headlights facing us that then just go like and we're bugging out now because we're like we're this person's gonna do something to us but i'm like hurry up and get facing that way and get your lights on so we can see what's going on and by the time we do that there's nothing there and it was like true horror movie like uh, two girls, three guys, we were drinking and smoking and like, let's go for a drive to the haunted street. Like everything about it is as cliche and as narrative as you would imagine. But I still, I still felt something there. I, again, for me, it's just as believable that there are assholes who hang out by the street that's supposed to be haunted and like half prank people as there is that it is like something supernatural there as well. Right. But which came first? Oh yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, are it, was there one event or a smaller events that now is being perpetrated in a larger way? Like, was there one or two actual abductions? And then that implants the idea of abductions to people when they have mental breakdowns or weird spells or some sort of misfiring in their neurosystem, in their neurological system. And, but since they know about 
uh, alien abductions because a handful of them were real or whatever. Like, that's the thing. It's like, are we talking about one indicative event? Are we talking about a plethora of events? Or are we talking about it never really happened and it's sort of a collective hallucination, a collective uh, misinterpretation, like a man, a subconscious Mandela effect. What the fuck am I talking? No, about? Yeah, no yeah, 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 hey, you're making sense, man. Believe it or not, this me, is Arlen. the podcast for that. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. You're talking about the uh, collective unconscious. That was sort of Jung's theory on on strange things. Yeah, and then what what gets it implanted there? Like an actual event, or is it just sort of like uh, we like? Are people being possessed or does everyone have sleep paralysis? Are people well, have like, you know, like there's like sort of – or does the idea of demonic possession lead us to sleep paralysis or is it uh, if B, then A? Like, well, John, and think about this and to your Mandela effect, and this is something that's come up on the show in the past. Uh, John E.L. Tenney, paranormal researcher, talks about this. But think about this, John. What if that place, Mount Misery – to, to use as an example about this Mandela effect that you're talking about. What if because in the late nineties, it was such a hotspot for weird activity and lore that the psychic effect that that has on our subconscious actually travels back in time and creates more events in the past and more events in the future, you know, that lead that build, that build its own folklore and its own mythology. You know what I mean? So these spaces become sort of life unto themselves an entity unto themselves that are reaching into the past and into the future. You're, you're tapping into something, a little bit of something that I've lately been getting into more and more, something I've started to believe in more and more. And it's sort of just like collective energy. And sure. like, I think a lot, like that's a phrase I, uh, it may be a real phrase, but I guess what I'm saying is like, if enough people just start thinking like, Hey, I hear that this place is weird. And then w- enough of us are directing that energy there, that thought, whether or not it manifests in actual things or it manifests in other people's subconscious thought, like that's an interesting, but like an example I've been using lately is that like. I just believe there's so much negative energy being directed towards Donald Trump right now that it's somehow like going to affect him on a level like that. We don't understand. Not not just like enough people replying like, fuck you to him on Twitter. I mean, like just the idea that so many people hold so much negativity towards him that it's it's weirdly going to be debilitating for him. And like, I don't think he can live if he gets a second term. God forbid it's a possibility. But if he gets it. I don't think he can make it four years solely because of the energy of the uh, human psyche is against him. It's you know, it's one of those, manifest, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it, it, you know, with anything in life, like attention is attention, whether it's negative or positive. You know what I mean? It it, it might just end up being the result of like it might feed off it, or it might you know implode from it who knows you know but 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 to your point in that moment where you guys went out seeking something weird to happen at mount misery something weird did happen whether or not it has a rational explanation or not you'll never know because if it did have a rational explanation you weren't given that you were given the weird event right right so right. W- what ultimately matters at the end of the day that you know it's just a matter it's a way of looking at it so i think that's too that's an argument to or towards your point you know or a point towards your argument which is you guys went looking for something weird and you got something weird whether or not it was an old man in a truck you know fooling a bunch of teenagers or some sort of spec specter following you guys right. something strange you got the thing that you were looking for it's like that book the secret you guys 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also a little bit of confirmation bias there too, of like, we want something to happen so we can make it an event seem like something can happen. Like, you can and and who knows that story happened in uh 1996 1998 like i could be have just every year added one more percent one more shading of and that's another thing i believe in as someone who knows how storytelling works in the and the uh, like the oral tradition i wonder how frequently one percent more is shaded in of the unusual to these stories every time they're being repeated or told or passed along and stuff just knowing that that's a possibility i have like i guess my i guess what i'm saying is i have like this my own sliding barometer in my head of like what what i'll believe and i don't know what my tipping point of evidence is but i'll know when i get hit and for some reason ufos and uh extraterrestrial and like life uh abroad like life off this planet really hits me as i that that makes total sense to me yeah and then it's like cryptids and ghosts and like uh poltergeist and stuff where i start to lose believe and i don't know what that delineation is to me i might make the argument that like science justifies life elsewhere more than science justifies ghosts and paranormal stuff Does that, and, and am i using paranormal incorrectly i'm no, sorry you've got I, it. I, in fact yeah. i don't think you are and in fact if anybody uses it incorrectly it's this podcast so like, <laughs> don't worry about it yeah because uh, i'm like delineating between like aliens and ghosts which yeah. i think are like the two divisions here and to me i find aliens and i am as i get older getting a little more into the like as i was saying earlier the feeling of vibes and like emotional like like collective uh feelings and stuff like you go to one rally or protest you can feel the energy and it's like this is or one concert that's hitting correctly you're like this is this is something more than just people listening to music yeah there's so an energy yeah so that's where i that's that's where i like that's my line but i'm dying to have a ghost interaction i'm dying to see a fucking a for real an unexplained beast uh like a encrypted is the right word for these yep. guys right yep. yeah but along the same lines cryptids are the thing that makes cryptids believe uh potentially believable for me is the fact that there's swaths of undiscovered parts of the ocean and and, and earth still like there might be things on this planet that we're calling cryptids but like would we have called a wolverine a cryptid like in the 1600s when we first saw At that some point? Yeah. Oh, yeah or the komodo dragon is the perfect example of that yeah the giant panda komodo dragon uh large giant squid uh all those things were later validated by science yeah the definition yeah. of cryptid i think is just literally a hidden animal it's just mm. an animal that hasn't been cataloged just quote unquote discovered and cataloged yet you know yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I think all of this is going to play very interestingly into your feedback on today's story of high strangeness, which we're going to have, we're going to hear right after this break. And we're back with John Gabris and this week's story of high strangeness brought to you by Mr. Bryce Johnson. Well, put on your conspiracy caps, Club Scouts, because this next story of high strangeness travels into some strange places. Alien tech, Nazi occultism, anti-gravity, a base in Antarctica, hollow earth theory, and even a purported trip to a nearby galaxy in a Nazi-made UFO known as Die Glocke, or translated simply as The Bell. Have you heard of this at all, John? No, I haven't. Okay, great. Well, I hope you're a fan of history because we're about to get into some. 
Also, make okay. yourself comfortable for three hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get this out of the last, This is the last segment. Uh, just a quick heads up. It's two and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is where I speed read. In the last year of World War II, as it became more and more apparent that the curtain was closing fast on Hitler's Nazi regime, Adolf, along with most of Germany, realized defeat was imminent. A hell-bent Hitler, who was facing the overwhelming advances of Europe, Europe's allied forces decided to authorize the no-holds-barred construction of Wunderwaffes, wonder weapons, super soldiers, laser beams, wolf people, and a bell-shaped UFO said to hold fantastical powers. A UFO built with secret technology, possibly given to them by aliens. Some say it was an anti-gravity craft that used zero point or free energy. Some say it was a time machine that could launch Hitler and a few of his besties forwards or backwards through time. A more Hitler and his besties. Hitler and his besties. <laughs> Sounds a like more... a show pitch right there. <laughs> <laughs> the travels through time. We would travel through time. It's a like a rational... Riverdale reboot, you know, it's like a t- of Hitler's teenage years. <laughs> a more rational mind, however, might recognize it as a last-ditch effort to create a supernatural narrative of superiority and otherworldly dominance. Of all of Hitler's Wunderwaffe projects... Uh, By the way, if you're at home, you might want to consider taking a shot every time I say Wunderwaffe. The bell was the one most cloaked in secrecy. With a wide bottom and a narrow top, it was said to be 12 to 15 feet high and roughly 12 feet wide made of various exotic metals. Just imagine a giant old church bell with a cockpit inside and a swastika on the outside. Witnesses claimed that when the bell was operational, it produced a loud hissing or buzzing sound that caused some German scientists to refer to it as Der Bienenstock, the German word for beehive. The bell flying saucer was said to be powered by a liquid fuel known as Serum 525, with witnesses describing the fuel as cherry red, violet, or maroon in color with a viscous, dense, and gooey texture, some claiming this liquid was actually red mercury. The supposed serum was placed inside the large counter-rotating cylinders that spun at high speeds. The rapid spinning, combined with the highly charged electrostatic hull, created an anti-gravity propulsion system that, if powered correctly, could take the craft to unimaginable heights and speeds. I mean, there's always got to be a secret sauce, right? Whether it's Serum 525 or Bob Lazar's Element 115, you need the secret sauce. It's like the part of the story that's like, uh, how does this work? It's just magic. It's just magic sauce. Yeah, Magic goop. Magic goop made it all possible. How we got the magic goop, not important. Uh, Unobtainium. I think I should state here, in case you didn't know, that the Nazis were obsessed with occultism. Supernatural agency, alien channels, alien channelings, and especially interstellar travel. So much so that Hitler charged one of his top lieutenants, Heinrich Himmler, with organizing a secretive SS group called the Ananerbe, a think tank comprised of scholars and scientists from a broad range of academic disciplines tasked with creating and promoting racial doctrines of supernatural superiority to galvanize the German people into believing a made-up mythology that the German people were somehow descendants of a superior and ancient race of Aryans. Sadly, a fictional mythology with an acidic aftertaste that still lingers. Hitler figured that if he could somehow access or even mimic the type of power and propulsion seen in the UFOs floating around the Deutschland, then perhaps the Nazis could use those powers 
as a bargaining chip to bring the Allies to their knees! Or at the least, to the negotiating table to improve the terms of the surrender of the Third Reich. I know you're probably asking, how real was this Nazi bell, and did it really do what it was intended to do? I guess the simple answer would be, although it was indeed a real project with a very real object at its center, it's highly unlikely that it was capable of interstellar travel, because think about it. If it was capable of traversing the stars or traveling through time, as some say, how would a human occupant survive such a voyage? To which you might say, alien oxygen masks. And I would say, okay, touche. That being said, one should never underestimate the prowess and capabilities of Germany's top scientists and engineers, most of which were told to abandon the projects they were working on and get to work on this Wunderwaffe. Unfortunately for them, a lot of them would wind up murdered or missing, including General Hans Kammler, the SS general in charge of the Glocke project, who some conspiracy theorists claim sold his secret tech to the United States in exchange for his life. Most likely he was murdered by his own Nazi troops who were ordered to clean it up. But that was the way of the Nazi party, leave nothing behind. You know, it reminds me of a great scene in that movie 1917, which I highly recommend by the way, where the lead character Lance Corporal Schofield, played brilliantly by George McKay, is traveling past a farm's field where all the cows had been needlessly shot by the Nazis who didn't want the invading forces hot on their heels to have anything of value Wait, left behind. Nazis weren't fighting in World War One. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. Not <laughs> shot by the Nazis. Shot by the Germans. How dare you, sir? I'm Especially, just yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. Valid point. Valid point. Listen, I'm already nervous we're making the Nazis sound too cool. Yeah. So uh, we got to make sure we get some of our facts straight. Right. Anyway, they didn't want meat to feed the armies that were hot on their trail. Anyway, back to the Wunderwaffe. The Nazi Bell scientists and engineers who somehow did manage to escape the fatal grasp of Hitler were more than likely recruited by the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, a wartime intelligence agency of the United States during World War II and predecessor to the CIA. Scientists like Werner von Braun, inventor of the V-2 rocket, who along with some of his top colleagues and associates, were given immunity and citizenship to the United States in exchange for their dedicated work on America's burgeoning space program, which would no doubt lead to man's walking on the moon. This exchange program we now know as Operation Paperclip. Whatever the case may be, the powers of Deglaka were believed to be so staggering that it created a vortex zone about 500 feet around the craft. Some say strange and unexplainable things would occur when the bell was up and running, such as the formation of crystals within animal tissue, the decomposition of plant matter into a greasy substance, and the gelling and separation of blood. All very diabolical powers indeed, but certainly not free-range air dominance. That would belong to strange and mysterious balls of light that would buzz or fly by Allied bombers and Nazi airmen, fiery orange orbs, seemingly sentient balls of light, often referred to as Foo Fighters. The name inspired by the comic strip Smokey Stover, in which Smokey, a firefighter, would often declare, Where there's foo, there's fire. So what happened to the Nazi bell? Conspiracy theorists abound, but more than likely, it was destroyed. However, one such theory is that the Nazis covertly moved the bell's location to the Arctic Circle, and that Nazi leaders continued to develop UFO technologies by communicating with extraterrestrials through channelings in the years following World War II. 
The most outlandish theory being that a handful of Nazi leaders traveled to the Aldebaran solar system with the Bell technology, and that extraterrestrials telepathically transferred other UFO schematics to mediums. Others believe the Nazis still have a secret UFO development base in the Arctic that have yet to be discovered by the outside world. To which I say, bullshit. But then again, an acorn or bell-shaped craft with strange hieroglyphics did crash in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania on December 9th, 1965, as Michael so aptly revealed in our last episode. Fortunately, there were no reported Nazis that exited the vehicle. So how do you explain that? How, how can that be? I don't know, but it, you know, it reminds me of the story of the UFO that famed psychonaut Terence McKenna once saw. McKenna was skeptical of UFOs until he saw one himself. Sure, he was probably high on mushrooms, but he said it looked exactly like the UFO described and photographed by George Adamski, a UFO that German scientist Walter Rydell all but proved was faked using a surgical lamp, light bulbs, and some Hoover vacuum parts. But yet, McKenna saw the exact same craft, almost as if the phenomenon was saying, maybe I'm real, maybe I'm not, but look what I can do. But enough about me. I'd like to hear what you think, John. Do you think it's possible that the Nazis and their extraterrestrial buddies exchanged intel, after which, defeated and debunked, helped each other escape to a secret base in Antarctica where they would continue to develop UFOs in the hopes of one day resurfacing as the Fourth Reich to obtain world domination with the help of their real brothers and sisters who inhabit a hollow Earth? Damn. <laughs> uh, that's a... That's hard to determine. I, it's also crazy to imagine. Um, it's crazy to imagine Nazis working with anyone else because then that would make them not the superior race. Like if they were learning from aliens, they would be right there having like perfect uh, evidence that they are not the uh, superior race. Like that is a very not- good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. And so hard- so hard to believe that they uh, would collaborate with anyone, especially people that different. But also it sounds like propaganda in the best way too, that that information galvanizes Nazis to be like, well, we've got aliens working with us and terrifies everyone else. Cause it's like, they've got aliens working with them. It's an astute point. And, 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 you know, it, it was the propaganda that fueled the entire German people to sort of believe this this narrative of of this superior Aryan race uh, mm-hmm. that was somehow connected, you know, supernaturally to uh, ancient ancient pagan gods of the old lore. When I was researching the Kecksburg thing for last week, you know, I I talked to Bryce because I wanted, you know, I realized that some there was a connection between the Kecksburg UFO, which is this acorn shaped craft that crashed in Kecksburg, and the military quickly quickly came in and took it away after like you know dozens of civilians saw this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but uh, the, 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 there was a connection between this and the Nazi Bell project, so I said, Bryce, why don't you check this out and let's go down this rabbit hole a little bit, but some of the information that popped up during my research seemed to indicate, and I can't cite the source of this, so I apologize. Um, but that, that some of this stuff about the, the bell and all this stuff could have also been disinformation leaked, 
uh, by the Nazis to kind of throw off the scent of the stuff that they actually were working on. You know what I mean? Mm. So some of this stuff could be kind of what uh, Gabrus was saying uh, in the first half of the show, like purposeful, misleading information to make people think that they were working on UFOs. So they were looking over there instead of what they were, the weapons they really were working on, you know? Sure, sure. Who knows? Who knows? There's a whole other subject of UFOs developing UFO looking like craft, like the typical UFO. They developed those too. I believe they were called Reisenbauers or something like that. But mean uh, like a flying saucer shape? Yeah, like flying saucer shaped aircraft. So they really were trying to control this narrative of like, uh, or at least capitalize off the strange crafts that people were reporting over Germany. So wild. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Gabrus, concluding thoughts. Uh, I mean, truly anything's possible. And like, uh, I do believe that if maybe like it would be such a boon to any military industrial complex to design something that was a UFO adjacent, even like, you know what I mean? Like to make something that was a saucer shape that flew would be the psyops alone of having that would be insane. (laughs) Like, like if the Americans built a flying saucer, we would just fly that shit over our enemies and have them absolutely rattled for life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it, it makes me, it reminds me of the Bob Lazar story in S4. Perhaps that could have been some sort of, uh, psyops where he was brought in, told to look at these crafts or, or uh, to sort of create this narrative that that Dreamland, that uh, Area 51 was a secretive UFO reverse engineering technology base when all they really wanted to do, like we discussed earlier, was hide the evidence of these superior bombers that could fly under radar. It's going to be interesting in the next decade or two with all this drone technology. Like, it's just going to be harder and harder to discern what's a drone, what's man-made craft, and what's an actual legit, like, unidentified flying object. You know, it's going to be – so it all almost makes me think that the phenomenon itself, if it's real, is going to have to shift into some new form yeah. to, to keep this whole – narrative going have you seen someone fly one of those like high-powered like production drones yeah that's incredible a dude on my street has one he's been fucking around with it crazy in the quarantine it like can stop on a dime hover at eight feet snap left snap right and stuff like that yeah and you would imagine if a dude who lives in a fucking apartment complex in hollywood can afford that what the government has that isn't like allowed to be sold to people yet is potentially a fucking size of a, you know, size of a plane that can be operated the same way a drone operates. They might be controlling pure energy balls just like floating around <laughs> right, in the sky right, at this right. point. Who knows? But, it, you know, yeah. it brings me back to a to an earlier conversation that we had, and that's why it's always going to rely heavily on the experiencer or the eyewitness or the contactee to sort of give us the details of their experience because some of the times they're so outlandish that it couldn't just be uh, you know, relegated to a to a drone or something like that. That's why these these people who experience these things firsthand and, and they sort of give off these supernatural details that are really just unexplainable and, and more often than not, just completely strange, 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 strange. But, you know, um, no, that's why, you know, we have to look and listen to the eyewitnesses who report these things, because more often than not, they have nothing to gain. There's no notoriety to be had. There's no there's no monetary advancement through these stories. It's really, you know, most of these people who recount these things do it so against their will, but they do it to, um, you know, 
for the sake of bringing their story to the forefront so that people can, other people can be aware of these things. But I think that's like, that's the only power we as people have, it seems like, because anyone in power is motivated to keep uh, the people out of being informed. Like, it feels like that more and more. This is me going full tinfoil hat here, but it feels truly like the government is constantly lying to us. All positions of power, there's a reason why they wouldn't want people to know the 100% the truth. Every time we get more truth, whether it's how the system works, how prison works, how police work, how taxes work, how... Like anything that we've always just taken for granted, mm-hmm. uh, the more information that people gather, uh, like the more someone has to like, I've been talking to prisoners, I've been talking to blah, blah. I've been talking to people who claim to have been abducted because no one in a position of power is going to levy information in any way that do- doesn't benefit them. So when we see like people being the ones that are chipping away at the uh, like structured lies and belief systems. That's the only hope we have for stuff like this, too, is people like Bob Lazar and ideally more people who are maybe not necessarily making money or benefiting from being the authority on this topic. Great point. Yeah. Like the dudes. And this is such an awful parallel, but like camera phones just catching people doing sketchy shit, catching people being racist, catching people, uh, catching police being brutal and stuff. Shit like that is what chips away because it's just pure information. It, it cuts through all the bullshit, all the propaganda. And that's going to be the thing is going to be just more and more people who are like, look what I captured in my drone footage. Look at what the motion capture camera I set up in my yard. Look at what this slow uh, aperture camera that I point at the mountains caught. Like we're just going to need count. Like we're going to need to make that wave so big, the information wave so big that eventually it crashes on the lies. And it, fucking yeah, opens great it all point. Up. And to tr- and to hopefully not trivialize a great point, this is why, in this field particularly, people stop need to stop fucking making fake UFO videos and putting them exactly. on YouTube because it's just fucking up. What you know? Stop nudging the truth. Let's just try to find the actual. You know, let's just try to film the real things if we can, and just put that shit out there instead of like doctoring photos to make it look more dramatic or making fake ufos and all that shit that this is what drives me nuts you know it's like now it's it's almost the youtube community is almost making ufo videos completely irrelevant because there's so many fake ones out there you know it's right frustrating and then then you start to wonder uh, is that on purpose too are people being asked to make fucking youtube videos of aliens or is it like creating an environment where people benefit from making fake UFO videos is that helps co- uh, the cover story. Fake news has helped a lot of people get into a lot of dangerous positions. Yep. Like it makes sense that that this is where I get mad at myself where like, I'm so cynical about uh, people of power and how they want to hold on to power and money and equating them together anyway. And so it's like, you're just immediately like, Someone benefits from going, hey, YouTubers, make a bunch of fake UFO videos so that people have a hard time determining what's real and what's not. It's mm-hmm. like, you got it. <laughs> you know, put a bunch of fake. My family, like people in my hometown, all fell for fake Antifa postings that uh, people on Long Island were under the impression due to Facebook lies being spread that Antifa and Black Lives Matter were coming to like smash up their houses and take their cars and shit. It's very Orwellian. Yeah. Yes. We're living in an age where everything is real and nothing is real at the exact same time. It's 
wild. Um, well, anything's explainable and anything is uh, debunkable, which is like, and I know I've only been spewing that same shit over and over again on this pod, but that's what's terrifying. It's it's where we it's the moment we're in time that we're in right now, and we're all just trying to find our way through it. And I'm glad, Gabrus, that you are here to help us find our way through this week in this moment in time. Thank you so much for being on Bigfoot Collectors Club, uh, John. Where can people find you? I'm at Gabrus G A B R U S on all social media, and you can find my podcast High and Mighty wherever you get podcasts, like probably in the app you're listening to this one on. But I also have a Patreon podcast called Action Boys about classic action movies. Uh, actionboys.biz or patreon.com slash actionboys. And over there, we have like eight or nine free episodes uh, just listed in the site. So go listen to those. And if that sparks your interest, chip in $5 a month for way more movies. <laughs> Fantastic. I love, love it. it. Um, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club or Twitter at Bigfoot Pod and merch. Head over to camp. Uh, we are campfire.media. Click shop and blast away on a number of Bigfoot themed merchandise, t shirts, etc. Uh, please give me a follow on Instagram at McMills. Bryce's at uh mr bryce johnson and riley is peace drone um personal plug you uh i I show up briefly in a couple episodes of the new series perry mason on hbo which just debuted oh nice this uh past sunday night so um yeah i'm not uh, you know i'm not a big part but uh watch the show for the show and then uh get excited when you see me pop up briefly um bryce riley anything to plug not this week. Nothing nope. going on, really. Fantastic. <laughs> um, you guys can support the show at home by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star review, just like So Like a Rose wrote us. Uh, this person said, So engaging. There are only a few podcasts that make me wish I could join the discussion, and this is on the top of my list. They have such fun conversations and bring such great humor to weird topics. Um, so that was a five-star review. If you give us one, we might read it on the air. And you know what? For shits and giggles, Listen to this one-star review written by Real America. Such wonderful production <laughs> with zero integrity for guests or research. Garbage. Uh, I looked at some of the other. Oh, this this one's entitled Desperation. I uh, looked up Real America's other reviews, and he, this person, I'm not going to say he, seems very angry at the Clintons. So uh, keep that in mind when you're reading a one-star review about our podcast. He liked the production, though, you know? We, yeah, we, hey, we got him there. Uh, Riley fan. They got a Riley fan. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks, thanks again to Gabrus. Uh, until next week, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Good night. And go get regressed. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, 
to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.